0: There was some guy that had this um, tweet this week that said something about like oh he's just trying to get people engaged, like people upset and start a discussion. He was like, no one cares about nerd Japan, like nerd Japan pro wrestling. I was like, I was like, uh, I did tweet out something like about, you know, as a man of impeccable taste in puns, this this hurts me on two levels, but like it was like nerd Japan, like that's the dumbest. Like, and I was like, could be, could not give two shits. I thought it was hilarious. And then people were like. I was like, if, if you watch wrestling, you're a dork. Like, you just are. Uh, like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, if you're watching wrestling, you're a dork. That's okay. It's fine. Just embrace the the you're a dork. It's it's there's no like, it's not like being like you can try to achieve like this thing of like I'm the best of all dorks, <laughs> like the king of dorks. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's pointless endeavor to try to. I'm an elite dork. Like I'm a I'm my wrestling fandom trumps your wrestling fandom. It's like, yeah, no. My we, dorkiness is more important than yeah, your dorkiness. I'm a I'm above you as a dork. I'm high-brow intent- dork. <laughs> yes. It's like, look, accept it where we all are. And I, as I said, I have said to you last week day before we, we were off air or whatever, I'm like, you know, I just don't think this generation of wrestling fans got bullied enough as children, you know. I just yeah. think you, it's like you needed to get just embarrassed you had to be completely shamed like wrestling was a shameful endeavor like it was, it was sure. like you are you are you're an idiot you're bad and you are you don't you don't deserve love have that you, was being have a wrestling you, fan
1: have you ever made the excuse while well, your parents are out when you're a young lad and uh you said out loud to the table of all their friends going mom dad we have to go home i want to watch xena because you knew wrestling was going to be on very soon, so you thought. So in my head,
0: Zena is above
1: Zena. Yeah, was was nowhere near as embarrassing as saying I wanted to go home and watch wrestling. Yeah, yeah, Zena. Well, Zena was. I mean, Zena was a cultural phenomenon. So
2: yeah. I, I, remember being like, eighteen and going to a nightclub, and there was people in the nightclub wearing like wrestling shirts like nwo shirts and stone cold and i'm like am i in the fucking twilight zone it's it's like like the golden hour of wrestling fandom the attitude yeah i mean you would have got (laughs) polled
0: back in the day for wearing that sort of shit yeah it was was a but now now we live in the age of nichedom like everyone's got a niche fandom of something Mm -hmm. so like anyone that's like oh because the internet is like for as you know for monoculture this idea of a monoculture that the internet presents it ultimately just led to like the partialization of everything. So like everyone thinks like, I always find it hilarious when people are like, Oh, I watch this thing on YouTube. And like everyone thinks that what they're watching on YouTube is like what everyone's watching on YouTube. But then they realize that no one has ever heard of the four channels that they frequent all the time, because it's just, the algorithm has niched it to that extent. It just feels like mm. it's big. Oh, hundreds of, There's a million people that watch this thing. You don't know any of those million people. You, they, they don't exist. So it was like, oh, I got this channel I follow. Like my niece was telling me about some channel she follows about some woman that makes like outdoor huts. And I was like, what? Okay. It was like such an odd, random thing. It's like, yeah, hey, she got big following and does well. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. You're a big outdoor hut dork. Like, great. You, so- everyone's got their...
1: You're, them,
0: you're you know? telling
1: me you've, you guys have never heard of Korean street food tours.
0: Yeah, exactly right No, I, I'm sure they exist. I'm sure there's great channels. They, they do. Like,
1: the channels are amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what I'm saying is that, but it's this weird thing where our brains aren't quite wide yet for that. You know, we're so used to this idea that we're, we're part of a monoculture that when we realize we're actually part of these little niche things that and until people embrace that and go, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Like I like New Japan Pro Wrestling. I like Japanese Pro Wrestling. Like seriously, like I'm a niche of a niche. Like we're yeah. a niche of niche, and that's that's fine. I'm happy to be a nerd Japan Pro Wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I got I got tweets back saying you know you know that women were saying like oh we we're not nerds we're like New Japan fans and we're and we're like I think my friends are babes. I'm like that's great. I said New Japan's for the cuties and it just is. Like look, we're proof. We're, we're proof of that. Like.
1: You're so smooth.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it is. That's our. We, we might be all dorks, but with the with the most handsome, wholesome, sexiest of all dorks. So it's just, it there, just, is. It's just facts. These is, are just facts.
1: There is nothing dorky about predetermined matches involving men grabbing men.
0: Yeah, I don't. Well, you can you can you can believe that, Red, but I'm here to tell you, it's an
2: incredibly dorky endeavor. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was uh, actually just explaining to someone yesterday about being a fan of New Japan and they're like, Oh, okay. You like wrestling. What's, uh, what's this Japanese thing about? I'm like, okay, here's a video of this guy. This guy's name's Taichi. That's Miho Abe. <laughs> and this is Taichi. He's kind of like a blend of Phantom of the Opera <laughs> He mimes his own song, but everyone knows he mimes, but he pretends like he doesn't mime. And then halfway through a match, he strips off into like little tiny dacks. Like, that's the fucking weirdest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's why I like it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, de- I described him on Twitter this week as a Disney princess Shibata. That's what, <laughs> that is who he has become but it's funny dave because like if you say new japan pro wrestling it's just enough to the to the outer edges of obscure that yeah. people don't engage <laughs> they just don't really yeah well, we talked engage. about that
2: last week didn't we? it's like we well, you, you could kind of you kind of say oh, yeah, i'm into japanese professional wrestling you're like
1: is that sumo <laughs> Yeah, sumo get that all the time you mean sumo. it's like no it's like mixed martial arts but choreographed and we know they know who's going to win
0: yeah, uh, just like mixed martial arts in Japan. Yeah, it's. I just think it's funny because I just think people on Twitter. I just think it's like you can't be the telephone tough guy on Twitter and pretend like <laughs> pretend like, oh, you dorks that watch New Japan. Meanwhile, like, yeah, Seth Rollins, baby. It's like it's, yeah. you're, you're talking about. It's it's all dorkdom. Just it's like yeah it's just it's just i find it infinitely fascinating just yeah. like what you like and avoid what you don't like and if you don't want to talk about it that's fine i just don't need to You come and have a discussion and provide your opinions on how you know silly i am for liking my form of you know sweaty boys in jocks rolling
1: you well, know dad is playing checkers and we're is playing chess <laughs>
0: well, that, well, that insinuates at an elevated level there <laughs> <laughs> No, we're, just, we're playing different. We're playing different games. We're not even having a discussion. Mm, but we are
1: the better dogs?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, no. We,
1: we. I mean, our our dogdom is more refined than theirs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't don't engage, Red. That's my my lesson of this whole thing. Just don't engage.
1: And now, Subway delivered by Uber presents. The Stiff One 2022. Just when you thought we were done, it is time for fun, ladies and gentlemen. This is our third episode regarding the G1, the best tournament in the universe. And if you aren't aware of it, get on board. And most likely you are aware of it because you're listening to the show. My name is the Ravishing Red Rude. Happy lunch to you all. I am joined by the Tokemore Pimp. Dr. Dave Pruden himself,
2: king of the cant club.
1: <laughs> and over yonder, it is the chocolate mousse himself, psychological professor
0: Josh Crichton. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I i prefer to be uh, the winner of the meat raffle. That is. King um, of the uh, dorks. King of the
1: dorks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's me, KOD, baby
1: um now a lot of things have been going on right now and i'm just wondering if anyone's listening to the show or fans of the show is there any way that people can reach out to us at all
0: amazing question it's funny every week you find a way to keep asking this question and i keep telling you i keep on, on twitter at we stiff at we on twitter is where you can find the show there's links to our discord and stuff there you just to send me a dm um it never doesn't sound creepy but i'm asking for the dm as opposed to just randomly sliding into them uh but yeah you can find us on twitter it's it's especially during g1 most almost every show live there'll be tweets firing off uh there so come on join the uh the fun that is the uh, lively twitter all right that's teams talk the team i know it's only been two nights of the g1 so far but it's probably good to, to Especially for in the interest of Dave, because it might be it might be Dave's crowning achievement after the first two nights, so we might want to hit the the key the key notes of where we are as teams.
2: What are you, what are you trying to say there, Josh? You I'm you just saying, say Dave, you might start really. I think you start might hot. fall off fall off a cliff after the second night. Is that what you're I'm, I'm
0: just I'm not saying I'm just uh, preparing you for the potential of disappointment. I'm just saying you may not you may go all the way, Dave. The cunts could take it to the top, but I'm just saying that. You might. It was a hot start. It's a very <laughs> hot start. Um,
1: I I remember having a hot start a couple of yonders ago.
0: You had a really hot start, yeah, and it and it you hit the you hit the wall.
1: <laughs> and then after that, like, yeah, week by week, I watched the numbers decline. And, and
0: week by week, you got more and more like aggr- mm. like angry. It was like hilarious, like watching the slow. And, and you, the fatigue hit hard for you because I think it was became obvious what was happening, and you were just not here for it.
1: <laughs> yes. yes.
0: But in any case, Dave is leading the way with 10 points. His team, Dave, see you next Tuesday, club, having 10 points. In second, Reds, happy lunch, lads, with four points. And coming up the rear is the meat raffle, my team, with two points, of which I got them by beating someone else on my team. So that's a tremendous (laughs) start. I both won and lost points. It was great. Um, to be fair to me, I only had a couple of matches. So, I was, you know, second night, only one match. So, and that was the aforementioned Yano Jonah spectacular. Uh, so, it didn't go great for me.
2: It was a spectacular. You know what I liked about that match? Humor me, Dave. Yano wanting to be friends. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that was great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, started friendship, the night before. Friendship? <laughs> yeah, friendship—it's—it's it's the most valuable ship, and and Yano was making sure. And then he a gift a gift giving exchange is always—it was a cultural exchange. I thought it was very classy from Yano trying yeah. to give gifts. And then he uh, gifted
2: the double nut shot and won the match. <laughs> the ball, my ball sank. Which- which uh, like what's the go with rule breaking on the outside Does the ref just not give a shit is that I've what always happens? in new japan that's always been this sort of the established thing like you take someone outside and it's happening
0: outside it's it's not in the it's hit him with a chair it's not in yep. the ring free
2: for all you can
0: It's yeah, kind of it's like that yeah. yeah bring a gun you know like it's kind of like you can do
2: what you want outside the ring Because pretty sure the ref was looking right at them and counting and yeah, yeah, I don't think it's I think
0: that's kind of been a pre-established sort of thing within the law of of New Japan, rightly or wrongly, but that's pretty much well established that it's in the same way that main events will get leeway, you know, like
2: yeah.
0: Um but I think if you're outside the ring, yeah, you can do basically most things other than um if you hit a guy ahead with a chair, for instance, and the ref will come out and admonish you. And if you do it again, you'll get disqualified most likely. But yeah, I think that's kind of how it's been done. Outside the ring is a fair game. So
2: fair play. So Yano says- fair play. I mean, yeah. Oh, and two, by the way, another highlight from that match, Yana either belly to belly. Yeah. Pop for that one. Yeah, me too. Of all the decisions
0: they made, to be the first person to get Jonah off his feet, it was a very. There's a lot of decisions that were made in that match that were curious. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be one to say, like, finally the big man gets taken down by Yano, and he's lost by Yano. I hope that it will lead to something, but we'll get into it later. Don't worry. Okay, so for people that are new to this uh, format, that may not have been with us for the best of Super Juniors, uh, we obviously over the last two weeks, two weeks ago we drafted our teams, and last week we sort of previewed our our teams. And if you just heard before, we go through and tally up the points of how our teams are traveling. And the format for this show as we go through is essentially we just look at each, you know, talk about our own teams and we have a couple of questions that we sort of answer and we sort of go in a round table format where we uh, talk about who's, you know, impressed us, who's, what matches have stood out, stories stood out, areas that things we need to see more of and stuff we're looking forward to. That's basically the format, pretty pretty basic, goes around the, around us, the your, you know your lovable wholesome stiff boys and we just talk about our teams um as a way to sort of traverse the the g1 as a whole and given there's only been two nights it's you know for certain teams like my team for instance i haven't got a lot of areas to talk to but i think i've got some pretty clear standout stuff um and we'll just follow this format throughout the the tournament as it goes along each week we'll check in and see where we are as on uh, our scores. And then we'll see where uh, who's impressing us and if that's changed and who's stepping up and who's dropping back and what's, what stories that are interesting to follow. And if any matches have stood out, all that sort of stuff as we go along the G1 before we even start really to just to, to mention, um, you know, like a lot of people talk about like spoiler free recommendations. Have you got anything that you think that if people haven't seen anything yet um, that they need to go and watch because, I I I've like I know that this is a long tournament. And sometimes people check in and check out or whatever and they can't watch everything um, and they don't want to be necessarily spoiled on it. And I do agree with you, Red. I think every wrestler that's there this, this year is working very hard. I think it's pretty clear that there's a lot of effort being put in. But is there well, anything that stands out that you recommend without spoiling it? Who... If, I
1: was, if I was going to say to someone to watch a match just with no knowledge or whatever, I'd probably yep. make them watch ELP versus Osprey Mm-hmm. Um just I mean every match has been phenomenal, but that was a match that I just thought was really cool. Like, I mean, look, look, this is hard to say because every match has been fucking cool, and I'm a huge yeah, but fan there's levels. Yeah, but if I was to go, this is the G1. Yep. You know what I mean? Try and get someone to, you know invested in Ken to and then save like the Sonata and Jay stuff because there's all these intricacies into that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a match you will enjoy watch yep you know what i mean like that's straight away what i do even from like the intros of both guys with elp's jacket saying phallus um extremely long phallus I know. i know i only saw the phallus part didn't see the it's that
0: long it's really that long it's all you need to see
1: (laughs) um i just i just thought the two of them had really really remarkable chemistry and the match flowed really really well so for someone not knowing about new japan not knowing about the style of it you might be familiar with more American style wrestling. Just to sort of go, Hey, check this out. You, you will actually really like this. Yep. From night one. Yep. Yep.
0: Anything,
2: anything you'd recommend Dave outside of spoiling it. I like this match and I'm not choosing to talk about it later. So I'll just mention it, but um, yeah, I, I think if you want to experience um, what new Japan is best at, and that is, like, what feels like true rivalries between two competitors, then, um, uh, I mean, it's a toss-up, but then checking out Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. And um, it also, in watching that match, then you would get an insight into a few things that are, like, traditions within Japanese wrestling, like senpai and all that sort of stuff, so... Yeah, that sort of – I feel like that match was uh, important and the clash and contrast of styles and how well they worked with each other and doing some kind of stuff that you you don't really see in other wrestling where guys, like, sit down and get kicked in the back and, yeah, you know, egg each other on to hurt each other and that sort of thing. That's not really super common in uh, wrestling. So, yeah, it felt like a fight. Yeah. Of two
0: egos two yeah. egos fighting yeah. Um, yeah no i i agree with both i think they were tremendous uh, other than the only other match i think i would recommend uh the people should check out is the first block match of that night two uh tai chi and ishi mm-hmm. uh, similar to what dave has said there's something it's, it's it's almost like a bit of a blend where it's like that's that's what a g1 is where you can leverage stories that not necessarily are front of mind but uh that chris charlton does a great job of bringing up in terms of those two guys and their history as
2: being you know black saints that have come in from other promotions when he's extremely important um during the g1 uh for anyone who's sort of new just being able to he he condenses history between guys really well and um makes it palatable as well so
0: I mean, the commentary both got, I mean, yeah, well, they Kevin are
1: as well. They're, they're top notch. You know what I mean? Like they, the two of them really are another reason why you really should be watching new Japan because they are such a good tag team with what they do because like, I was watching like, for example, the, the Okada Cobb match and Kevin Kelly's referenced the DDT. He brought up how the DDT was what Okada used like in the last G1. And I didn't know that. Because I haven't actually watched, I didn't watch that G1.
0: Well, Kevin Kelly's the best. I think he's the best at propelling wrestler stories as a commentator currently in terms of his focus is about making sure the stories of the characters are getting over and being translated. And Charlton's a historian. So he's able to ground the current stories into deeper lore. And I think that's essentially what you got to experience in that Tai Chi Ishi match where they basically built a law that has been around and then justified and
2: rationalized their current rivalry. He's gotten very much good. better at, like, hype-girling stuff as well, getting a yeah. bit more excited about things. He's like improving. He was, yeah, he was very almost encyclopedic in the beginning where he just sort of, like, reel off facts about guys' history. Or well, whatever. he didn't have to right. – he wasn't the colour guy at that stage. He was always nah, – No, whereas now move. he's adding that colour and getting, like, you know, the excitement that he has for it is really shining through now, which is yeah. awesome, and they are a great combination of two of them. Yeah, so those, I think that if you're looking
0: for time and you want to sort of experience three emblematic matches of, I think there's three very different types of matches, which is incredibly emblematic of where the G1 is and what it
2: does, they would be the the recommendations from the Stiff Boys. It's also uh, indicative that the three of them are three significant rivalries, those three matches. And that's what they do best. And the G1... Is uh, so good at highlighting those. So I'm interested to see as we go through some of those guys who are in those matches and how they keep, keep that same energy throughout, you know, not being matched up against guys who are necessarily rivals. Yep.
0: Yep. Sweet. Okay, Red, you, you do want to start with your most impressive boy.
1: Well, the guy that I freaking love the most isn't even on my team.
0: Okay, we well, don't talk about him yet. He I can't talk him. about him if he doesn't come up later. Then you can bring him up. I'll let you. I'll let you bring him up later if he doesn't come up, Red.
1: Um, let me just quickly flick because I always write notes. I always have my notes and everything. Um, look, I mean, the most impressive boy that I have, you know, as always for me so far in this, uh, is definitely going to be Okada. Um, just because, in terms of his match with Cobb, really established super quickly just what sort of a mountain Okada had to climb there. Like, they really, really, really established simpy very quickly for Okada because Cobb dominated him really, really quickly. He and bounced him. That's what I mean. And, and, like, his fallaway away slam, I've never seen anyone throw Okada that far. It was, it was, it like, it was. We th- take for
0: granted how strong Jeff Cobb is. <laughs>
1: Hundred percent. So, so they just established. So add up all the matches of what all my boys have been doing and all that kind of stuff. My lads, my lunch lads. Um, I I really thought that you know Okada was in that level of like where Okada should be. Of like he has this gigantic mountain to climb in a match, and he climbed to the peak of that particular island. What do you think of the gear red? Right? The red loved it really really liked the red I thought it was cool to see a new sort of tone to his color and all that kind of stuff but uh, you know it was just great it was great I popped when he did the spinning uh, tombstone I'm like how the fuck does someone do that to Jeff Cobb how does someone physically pick him up and then you know after taking one tombstone and then he picks him straight back up to reverse it to a spinning like you know tombstone and that's the other thing too that's where I popped the most out of all the matches that I watched was that when he hit the spinning tombstone? Because I haven't seen that move for so long. And
2: Also, like, not just is he a heavy guy, Jeff Cobb, but it's like it's the girthiness.
1: Yeah. How
2: do you hold the girthy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carter's got experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till he wrestles Jonah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So it was. It was just nice to sort of pop. As a fan again and go, oh, that's right. The spinning tombstone. So cool. And then it's, the whole time I kept going risk control, risk control, yeah, yeah. risk control, so uh, risk control.
0: His transformation into a Noki is almost complete. Like I actually think that's what they're doing with him. I yeah. honestly feel like they've like, he's got the Noki robe. He's got the Noki tower. He's he's, he, he pulled out that move again. That, that um, octopus into Emerald flosion. Which mm. is the Anoki Masawa combo. He did that again before he hit the Rainmaker. Like it was it when I watched that match, Red, I'm I'm with you. I mean, obviously. So why playing, why
2: is he what's why is he combining Anoki and Masawa? Is it just is it just to say he's a combination of the greats, I too I am I am the next great. I am the current I great. think it's a bit like that. And I think it's almost saying strong style and King's Road
0: into one you know i'm yeah. I, what what my style is and what the new generation of new japan pro wrestling is is not it's not any one style it's the combination of these yeah because it's it also it's important he doesn't use it as a finish it's a setup it's now a setup to a yeah. rainmaker. so i was like yes these two combine to then lead to my ultimate finish which is the rainmaker, which i can beat guys with one of now you know which after the matches with kenny years ago basically the the rainmaker got a little diminished because he had to use about 76 of them to beat Kenny mm. um now it's one and done so um but setting it up yeah I, I just feel like I after that match rate, I literally I tweeted out something like I, I've just thrown all of my pickums. I, I just feel like they're going to go really strong on the booking now like they made him strong you know like I, I felt I was convinced Cobb was beating him i getting his win back after last year and a you know, overcame, but he was strong in that. He was strong in that win. That was a strong win.
1: I mean, know. fuck, Cobb m- moved a bit of the undering. He got flapjacked, and yeah. the impact from him hitting the ground, the board came up. The board came up, and like they just
0: red has got his working boots on there. Yeah, yeah red jumping on the rim, he's
1: putting it back into place. But it's yeah. just like, it's like, wow, this guy is this. You know, he's a giant. He's a mammoth. He's a huge strong man like you know what does Akata have to do and like so when Akata finally got the win I was just like yes
0: yes yeah. well it's going to be that story isn't it Akata, I and I feel like it's set up for him isn't it it's he's going to be tackling on or tackling all these giants and having to overcome every time and that's going to be I think they're going to make him it's it's like a Noki. it's like I'm going to beat all the big boys and I'm going to you know show that my style of wrestling is the best mm. it's the true one true king of sport I just feel like that's the position that in the 50th year that they're calling back to a Nokia of all people. Um, We're going to have, I guess we're going to, we're living in the age of a (laughs) cardism. I think that's where we're headed. Um, And I felt like it was the most telling in that match where it was just like, he's taking on this shoot wrestler, big guy. And he beat him with technique, you know, he beat him with his, if these new moves and these, these callbacks, I just was like, I just thought, shit, he looks strong. That was all I took away from that. I was like, you know, Because I, as I said, Rick, I was convinced. Like I was, I was as sure about Cobb winning. Like I was like, yeah, a big win on that first night to to show that Cobb's overcome. Like he's improved from last year, and that was the only guy that, that he lost to. Like literally, Cobb wrestled nine matches and lost one, and that one was to Okada. And then he's meeting him on the first night. Oh, it's it's just set up for that, and it's like, nah, nah, Okada's still the strongest. He's still the best. Uh, I think he's. In, I think he's in for a big one, Red. I think he's. Akata's in for a big tournament. Talking about girth. I mean, when is he not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when's he not in for a big one? Yeah, but I think he's in for. I think he. I think we could be looking at back to back. I after watching that, I almost changed. I I was like, I think, you know, the way he lost last year's G one, you know, won last year's G one. Sorry, by sort of winning and by another guy having to be medically retired. You know, like that's not a real confirmation and affirmation of your place, your strength into the way that they tend to book. So it could be a chance to reaffirm that uh, he doesn't have the belt, which is curious, you know, he's the belt's been taken off him
2: during the G1. So it does free him up. Well, it's also like you don't put a Carter in the monster block for no reason, do you? No, just, you just throw a Carter in with the big boys. It's like, there's a purpose to that. It's to yeah. make it seem <clears throat> on the surface that he's just gonna be up against bruises night in, night out. <laughs> yep. Um, oh the, the and, monster of monsters uh, have have difficulty getting to the semifinal. So I mean there'll be difficulty there. Oh yeah, there'll be struggle. But I but realistically it's... if it's not Cobb trying to chase him down, which which are the others that are trying to gonna be in his heels, you know? And when you look at it this
0: year, this is the biggest thing I've taken away realizing at the beginning of this. is only the six matches. So every win, every loss is so much more impactful because you can't, You, you, if you lose two in a row and one of those happens to be against a guy that's a block favorite, you're not winning the block. You're, yeah. just, you're just not going to make it. So Cobb losing to Carter is like a double loss. It's
2: like losing two matches. Yeah.
1: Well, that's a really, really good point you made about like, you know, but... so you Make just- that...
2: Makes that Phantasmo shingo last night seem kind of important, doesn't it?
1: Doesn't it? What? Yeah. <laughs> I can't go into what I was about to say because I just realized we're gonna talk about it later on. But that's a great, a really, really good point. Like of like in terms of the gigantic guys in that block, mm. if he's just beaten Cobb, who arguably I'd say is the most developed, the best of those big guys, he just beat him. Mm. So who's the one that's going to beat Okada out of the big boys?
0: I'd say Jonah.
1: Jonah, yeah. I was going to say Jonah after losing to Yano. I think he's going to get fucking angry. Yeah, that's exactly it. And he's just going to go on a tear. If it's bad luck, Fale, I'm just tearing it off. Yeah, but that's not uncommon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or it could be Yano. to could give him a loss because Yano can beat anyone. That's true. So... Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. can, Um, Give an Uno reverse card.
2: Yeah. Uh, Red shoes Uno reverse card. I mean, Yano is like, to me, he's the sneaky late- in the draft pick because you know you're going to get some vital wins <laughs> yeah.
0: if you want to win get yado on your team because the, the court gesture jester of new japan pro
2: wrestling who never he never has a losing record like <laughs> what do I think wrestled missed one in since 2005 or something and that was 2006 that's but he's there to make
0: point. the math happen he's there to yeah. make the math work like because you can you can beat him or you can have him win and it doesn't matter <laughs> so like perfect <laughs> Like You need one of those guys. Normally, Farley does that too. So, the fact that they're both in the same block is really odd.
2: Impressive boy, it's I'm torn because I kind of want to just go with the new boy for the impressive boy because I talk about others a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I'm going to pick Hanare. Oh. In two weeks in a row when I've picked Hanare. Mm. And I've sort of wh- heard whispers on the internet, YouTube or whatever, that people feel like Hanara getting the win over the Tana is predictable, and that Tana getting the win over, the- uh, losing to the undercard guy, and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And what you lost to Chase Owens or something last? You lost last year. to Chase last year, yeah. Um, but look. Tana, I think, has earned the right to do the G1 the way he wants to do the G1. And if he wants to put a guy over, you let Tana be Tana and do what he wants to do. And I think the right guy went over because not only does it establish Hanare as uh, a threat in each match from now on, whether he wins anymore or not, yeah. But it establishes his, him as a physical threat in at least because he's, you know, the thick boy of the... He's a thick boy. He's put on group. some beef. Yeah, yeah. He's he's beefed up. He's hossing up. He's, he's, um, he's hossing up. He's, but then it also allows Tana to be true Tana and be on the chase. Yeah. And that makes him a threat in each match as well. So whether it's up against Naito or whoever... Or uh Zach's in that block too. Zach Kenta? Yep. Zach Kenta. Yeah. Yep. It's a it's a murderer's uh, robe. Yeah. So now too. so now Tana, because he's lost, he's gonna have these compelling matches to try and chase points to win the block. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um so I liked that. And then and I really I quite liked um some of the stuff that Hanare was doing. Um, kicks and all that sort of thing—I thought were really cool. Um, about the short
0: boys, a bit of short boys. I was just
2: about to say that—that's going to be the name of my one-man podcast, the Hanare Short Boys, <laughs> and it's a—and it's a kink podcast dedicated solely to the full Nelson position. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I—I—I uh, just—I like—I like—I like what I'm seeing. So he's my most impressive boy because it's growth in the Canar uh, of the, uh, yeah, in the the character of the character of Canary, and I've been asking for this for four, five, six years. Since he, since he had the graduation and no excursion, <laughs> like since he, yeah, yeah, and just coming out each time with you know the death gimmick, yeah. and and you're like, I oh, surely they've got to give him something more. And they have, and he's and I feel like he's delivering. And all I want is just that progress to just keep taking baby steps through this G1. Even, like I said, even if he doesn't win anymore, okay. just keep progressing and just be a threat. Just be a threat each match yeah. and build off this Just incredible, right? Just, just a be bit credible. Of credibility. Yeah, so, you know, F you to all those who uh, shit can Tana taking the L here and that being predictable. But it serves a purpose because we said it before. I feel like it serves a great purpose.
0: But it's not like he lost. It's not like Tana lost to someone like, look, Hanare is going to do what Hanare is going to do, but it's very, it's, it's, unless they are putting the rocket straight up the old short boys, it's very unlikely that he's going to be a chance to win the block. Uh, so it's a, it's a loss that, that Tana can take that, as you said, Dave puts him on the chase, but it's not going to, at the end of the day, he's not going to be in a tie break situation with Hanare most likely. So, it means that it's a it's only a two point loss, not a four point loss. So it's a loss he could take. It's it was the first match of the G one, so it establishes pretty early, like as straight out of the gate, prepare for the potential unexpected. And, and look, yes, I think we looked at it and thought It's very possible. I mean, we speculated on this just last week. Uh, thank you very much. Um, we said seven minutes. It went it went eleven, but it eleven, yeah. Uh, but I do think that and like the Hanari's head kick, like he had some stuff there that was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. He's doing some, bringing those kicks in. And, and was it the most um, impressive performance? I don't know if it was the most impressive, but it was certainly, um, I would say it was, it was like methodical. It was like, it was considered, it was working to a style. It was clearly mm-hmm. a style that Hanaria was trying to implement, which is, as you said, Dave, a really good sign because whether or not it's it's going to be as flashy as the other boys out there is, is inconsequential. It's going to be Hanare's style. And if he can establish that out of the G1, that he can be a bit of a threat with that established style of his, it will at least give him something so that people know what he's going to bring to the table when he's announced for a match. You know? It's
2: made me... Um... Excited to see Hanare versus Kenta because they'll be bringing a similar strike heavy style. And Kenta's got the great kicks, and Hanare, I mean, clearly kicks like a mule. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. I think that'll be fun. So I like the matchups in this G1 for Hanare, like we were sort of saying last week, because all of them present an opportunity for him to clearly define that style and maybe that's the story of his g1 is really defining who hanare is you know this whole based character and all that sort of thing i i think that's i think that's cool so so you know in a in a win that maybe wasn't the the, my favorite match or wasn't a real showcase win I, i he was my most impressive guy for this week because it sets a really nice foundation for him to build on.
1: Well, I mean, I found it uh, funny with the match at first too because when it came on and I was watching it, it was almost like I would was going to go off and do something at the same time and sort of watching the background, but and I couldn't I couldn't figure it out and I became really curious, but I couldn't figure out whether I was watching because Tana was creating the match or whether I was watching cuz I was watching Hanare in his next developmental growth or whatever it was but either way I actually watched the entire match I didn't walk away and do what I was going to do I was actually just watching the entire time because Hanare actually had me watching him in like an invested curiosity and then when he got the win I was like "Whoa, shit like that was actually a pretty cool thing to happen like yeah
2: I mean, eighteen months ago or two years ago, or whatever, before he was in United Empire, who would have thought, right, that you'd no. be give a shit about a Hanari match? Yeah, and that he'd actually be able to draw you. And I mean, that's also the beauty of Tana being his first up match. Tana's going to draw the Simpy. Yeah. He's going to create the drama and that sort of thing. But look, I think it's on, it's on Hanare too. I watched it, and I wasn't like. Yeah, fucking, yeah! piss break time, you know?
0: I think it's going to be on him to capitalise, though. I still think that of he's course. going to have to improve. Like, he's going to have to get the crowd invested in him uh, as opposed to Tana losing, because I think that was really the investment, was, oh, shit, Tana's lost, as opposed to, holy shit, Hanare's won. Um, and so it's just going to be a, a getting to that point of getting that crowd investment, but that comes with being able to execute the character over a longer period of time.
2: And if he can do that just by... Having moments where he looks, um, like punishing or, uh, uh, dom- yeah, just or dominate like a, a potential dominator or yeah, just a glimpse. That's all you need. Whatever. And there's guys in that block where he, I feel like he can do that. That, um, yeah, against Naito is going to be interesting. Kent is yeah. going to be interesting. Like they're all they're all kind of good matchups for him to do some fun things. So
1: yeah, mm. no, that's fair enough.
2: Cool. Um.
0: Well, I, I mean, I've had when it comes to impressive boys. I mean, on oh, my my team, night one was sort of loaded with sort of my guys, and then night two was a bit less. But I had one guy that I felt stood head and shoulders above um, everybody else in terms of impressing me. Um, I mean, other than other than Filthy Tom Lawler in the undercards, <laughs> which I
1: think has been amazing, um, <laughs> but. Uh, Interesting choice to have him in there. i rarely ever see a singles match. Sorry to cut in, but I, I just thought I'd never, rarely I've never really ever seen a singles match. Pickle as me. an
0: injury, as an yeah. injury to oh, the other young boy.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but it worked out great putting him in there for Jita, who sold like a fucking million bucks when he basically looked like he was dead after the, the um, new kids on the block uh, finish. But the, uh, my most impressive of the G one thus far is El Phantasmo. Yeah. Um, I thought that match was just, you know, it was, it, I, put it this way, I wasn't surprised. No. I wasn't going, oh, wow, Osprey and ELP put on a banger. Funny what, I, yeah. <laughs> what, what I was surprised with was the manner in which he worked, the way in which ELP Os- uh, worked. Now, granted, Osprey is a shit heel and will always play that sort of dirtbag thing, but ELP was as babyface as it sort of comes in terms of the way that he was working and the sort of the, the discussion and the the way he was sort of bringing the crowd in. And there was not a hint of ELP shenanigans. I mean, we saw what we what we uh, expected where he did a back rake and got immediately decked. And I think from that moment on, he realized, well, this shit ain't going to work. Um, and he brought out the high flying attack. Like he did the, he and he, and he made a point of, doing things in that match that he traditionally trolls on a la the tree of woe spot. And normally he does the jump up and kicking the balls on the tree of woe. And he sat in there and he went three times to kick him and do drop kicks. And every time he went and redid it and everyone's thinking, well, now he's going to do the troll spot. And he never did it. And he's doing this thing where it's pretty, I think something's, something is up and I don't know what it is, but something is up with ELP and whether it's an ascent to leadership in the Bullet Club or potentially booting booted from the Bullet Club because he's a threat to Jay, something is abound with ELP because he, in this match, demonstrated an evolution of character and a progression of character that was almost... It was kind of rapid. Yeah. And he's even in the post-match press conference, he's asking for water. That's all he's asking for, and he's doing it in Japanese. And a bullet club, a classic bullet club no no, like a traditional bullet club thing. Yes, they never speak Japanese. You don't speak Japanese. Um, and he's tweeting in Japanese. These are signs of these are bullet club no no's. These are not what the the heels typically do. And so just these little glimpses, these little hints that that they're there, like the match itself, yeah, a hundred percent and a tremendous match and a uh, a ridiculously clever and just great finish, like a really perfect character. Finish. Oh, good.
1: I'm um, that was just such a smart way for it to be delivered, man. That was so cool. You blink and you miss, but yeah, just the way ELP looked the other way argued,
0: argue yeah. with the ref. Yeah. yeah. Because no. in the junior division, you can get away with that shit. Like, he he scouted the Oscutter the because he knows that from their, their time in the past when they worked the juniors. He knew the cutter was coming, scouted it, got him for the, the backslide for that. Got two and three quarters or whatever, turns to the ref and then Osprey hits him with the move. He wasn't using as a junior. The hidden blade to the front, absolutely like just decked him. Um and a, a perfect story for him to say, ah shit, I should have. I you've got to be more, you know, it propels him even further. I've got to I've got to cut that complaining shit out i think i don't know if elp is going to win a lot of matches but i think he's going to learn a lot and as you said before dave that shingo match on the final night could be the moment where elp shows everything he's learned at the g1 that might be the only match he wins it could be it could be but he will he'll be humbled and for a guy like elp who's all ego to get humbled and to be and to be asking for sympathy and he, he was getting sympathy in that match the crowd was behind him. Yeah. And he will get that as a junior in that in the in the heavies and I I wouldn't be surprised to see when he wrestles he's wrestling Udro next I wouldn't be surprised to see Udro and then the, the House of Torture boys cheat against him mm. and him to lose because of interference and cheating again making him feel bad about that experience and humbling him again and saying oh it fucking sucks when people cheat against you you know like I wouldn't be surprised to see that where he's going on the humility tour and it ultimately pre- presents him as a guy ready to ascend to a babyface position. position mm. um, where it, it wouldn't be the first time new Japan realized that they had a junior heavyweight from Canada. That was a troll that had all the talent in the world. And it, all they had to do was present him as a serious heavyweight and he could draw money. And I feel like there's an opportunity again, they get take two with ELP uh, and I feel like he's ready to go. And that match against Osprey has proved that he can go at any he's He's so good, yeah. and when he when he sort of tones down the troll stuff, I think the Western audience will start to realize, oh, he's really talented. You know, like they just can't see past the silliness, which is what yeah. the Bucks have had for their entire career. You know, like as soon as he's like, oh, I'll just tone down those silliness. Oh, that's right, they're very talented. Yeah, he he
1: he really is uh, my MWW recipient of the first round that we saw, which is must watch wrestler. Uh, throughout the entire g1 <laughs> he's got a gimmick no i just thought of it just then What's in the tenure of the week uh, yeah it's- no i just th- i just think that going forward elP has solidified and made a statement with that match that he is going to be a guy that you really really want to check out when you know that he's on that night you want to make sure if you don't see any of the match that night you want to see that match particularly because he's going to be bringing something to the
0: table at- it's like it's like flippy shit. yeah Plenty of flippy shit. Yeah. Yeah. For people that like that style of wrestling, like you get your fill and like yeah. watching him there against a guy like Osprey, who's, you know, has sort of toned down all those elements, but ELP's level of talent in terms of what he can do and how he moves around a ring. It's very, like he's, he's a very talented guy. Yeah. Um, and you combine that with a, a funny, you know, naturally charming personality that if he can lean into that, I just see I just see money as a baby face. Oh yeah. Big time. And I do think I would not be surprised to see uh, something happen along the along the way. I think he's ready. I think he's ready to be given the ball.
1: No, no well, yeah, big time. We're ready to give the ball. Um sorry, I just realized that we're talking about most impressive boy. And you did mention the boy that I'm in love with right now, but you didn't talk about it.
0: Okay. So would you like to explain who 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 you're trying to adopt? Who you're trying to make a trade for? What's happening here?
1: Uh, filthy tom lawler uh i during the press conference i could not stop looking at him going is that like a played vest like and Denim. a bucket hat with a bucket hat and then earl head in his shirt and bow tie uh, and i just thought he gave such a good presser and you know it's like gonna be a filthy summer and then to his opening match against the young boy like a singles match and <clears throat> like his daisy dukes and everything And i was like the presentation of this guy is like this is amazing i love this guy and i was just like this guy's a boy love this guy i was just like holy shit balls where have you been I'm like i've seen him at mlw and stuff like that before but never like this like i really really enjoyed this version of i just love Filthy tom lawler is a boy officially for me i just love the guy he's
0: great isn't he i told you like he's been doing that for like 18 months on strong and the, the whole filthy crew, they're just so, they're just, they're just they are what they are. Like they, they're just slimy, like, ugh, like, ugh, just like, yeah, yeah like like a service station toilet. Like just,
2: ugh. Is, I don't know. I was thinking about like what Tom Lawler reminds me of, mm. like, or, or like if he, he, him as a character, like what is he? And like, a, you know, like a description it's like he's he's kind of like a blue oyster swamp whore.
0: <laughs> there he he defies description, Dave. Because yeah, it's, it's I can just... imagine
2: him like you know that scene in um, uh, Police Academy when yeah, yeah, oyster. Yeah. Yeah, I know the scene. You just see him in there, but the blue oyster is like in the middle of Louisiana, Louisiana. Yeah, <laughs> the
0: Louisiana blue oyster. Yeah. And 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 he's come in off the trawler. Yeah. Ready to just, to, just ready to, to be filthy. Just live it up with the boys. Yeah. There's no, literally there is nothing wrong with and hanging there, out with the boys.
2: There would be no way for any straight man to get away from him.
0: No. He just yeah. they just gravitate towards the man. He's got a he's got a gravitational pull. Like if yeah.
2: or he wouldn't let you go. They'd, no. You would gotta get away from him even if you tried. You're
0: to. in the filth. Yeah.
2: You know,
0: the strongest
2: for the longest. It's a it's a long time between um, matches for some of these guys, isn't that's, it? That's that's another thing that's really interesting
0: with this year's presentation. I think it's it's a good thing and a bad thing in that some guys are going to wrestle like their first matches until like night seven.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, like they're going to be a long time off. But then again, the other side of that is that these guys, and I think it's pretty noticeable the first two nights, they're going to work really hard. They're going to be putting in more. Then I think in in terms of previous, they know they can go all out.
2: Every match they can go all out because
0: they're going to have a it, break.
2: Yeah, particularly as it goes forward and there's more and more drama being built. Yeah, they can
0: commit to putting in you know insane levels of effort because ultimately, yeah, you're not so much concerned about having to wrestle two nights later in this at a similar level. You got six nights off or five nights off. You'll be wrestling you know, undercards, but not to Mm -hmm. the extent you have to for a main event level match so yeah i think that's really been a benefit as well it's going to be hard to follow like it's going to be different but it's different like people have been looking for difference in the g1 and saying that new japan has been a bit stale this is a very different presentation you know really different
1: you know it really really is like it actually brings the element of like ring rust almost not that but you know in in terms of like you know you go they're working
0: undercards at least but yeah, you can make an excuse no, but, like a wrestler could bring that in.
1: But you go into an intense match, you know
0: what I mean, like this is a really important match and I haven't had yeah. a match
1: like that in 3 or 4
0: days. Or one guy's had one guy's had a match 3 days ago and the other guy's had a match 5 days ago. There's a difference yeah. there. So someone could tell some stories of that as well, I'm sure.
2: Speaking of stories?
0: Yes. Would you like to Would you like to go then, Dave? You're looking for your your most uh, your favorite match and or story thus far that has revealed itself?
2: The well, games. I'm going to go with my favourite story, which, well, is effectively my favourite match. But I have a question because so my favourite story was the story of the rivalry between Ishii and Tai Chi, mm-hmm. and I think, like, I really liked Zach and Kenta. I thought that was fun and the shit talking that was going on. Yep. But the story of Ishii and Tai Chi um, is. Mm-hmm intriguing to me and i wanted to ask you a question because i kind of didn't quite catch it on the broadcast and uh, you're probably not going to go into depth on why but why did and i thought it was a cool moment why did ishii call Chi his shoot name yeah taichi jakara uh
0: well it's it's a really interesting thing i'm not necessarily sure exactly i don't try to understand the
2: motivation behind big tom sometimes he's he's a mystery is it just like a show me respect thing, and then in that, in the, you being disrespect, disrespectful by sitting in the corner, you know, at the start of the match, uh, I'm going to show you disrespect by by calling you your shoot name. It could be. I think
0: there's to some extent there's also a recognition of I know who you are, and this argument or this position of saying um, I've, and that sort of ties back to their their long history of sort of where they've. They've come from in terms of their different approaches. Where it's like, you may present yourself as Tai Chi here in New Japan, but I know you before that. You know, like I know who you are, and I want you to either show me some respect or I want to prove that you haven't that this is just false bravado that you're still the little, you know, in essence the little, um, bitch. you know, yeah, Kawada's bitch. <laughs> like I mean, bitch? there's no there's no really other way to put it. Like, uh, um. I mean, he was for, I mean, for people that sort of knew to New Japan, like that's where he had come from out of all Japan and he was uh, Kawada's sort of young boy understudy and all the footage I've ever seen of him at that age is Kawada beating the living piss out of him and treating him like shit in like the backstage as he's, like, he's a whipping boy. Like that was his kind of position. And And then when he sort of branched out and came across and came to new japan like that's they talk about like i know i know that um chris charlton called them the black sheep but the four the four black sheep or i know they're referred to as the black saints of uh milano collection at honma uh, tomohiro ishii and uh of course taichi they all came to new japan during the downtime and like the Each guy, when they came across, you know, demonstrated a real commitment to New Japan and sort of committing to try to grow the brand. and And Taichi was kind of not that. Like Taichi's whole thing was like, "I'm going to come here and tank the fucking joint." Like that was his kind of approach at the time, um, including (laughs) ruining ruining one particular Super J Cup with his antics, and it led to the famous Taichi Go Home chant. That big that that stuck with Taichi for. I mean, when we were watching when we started watching, you know, 2016, twenty sixteen, twenty seven, like that was still around for Tai Chi. Tai Chi was still copying the Tai Chi Go Homes. Um and obviously that has changed. It's mm. all has changed. So tai, tai Chi is now beloved babyface Tai Chi. Couldn't believe
1: it. Could not believe that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was it was also his hometown too, um, in Hokkaido. Yeah. So um that helped. But I think that was the they were trying to call back the story of these two have got a long connection um and that I'm, i think we can remember back um that that thing that first g1 that was when in 2019 when taichi got his first chance ishii was in that block and that was where it was like he got something out of taichi that no one had seen before and now that's what everyone expects and now they return and yeah i'll let you explain that there but that's I think that's what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to, in, in, invariably, yes. I think Ishi's all about respect. We know this. Um, he's got that. He's got that little man syndrome. Like, recognize me. Um, but I do think that it was also trying to call back the long history that those two have which Charlton, as you, as you rightly pointed out, really made clear on commentary to, to get that across so people that didn't know, um, and do his best to try to explain a lot of story. Like we're talking because. People forget about Taichi. This man's this man's 20 years into the business. He's 42 mm. years old. Yeah. Like he's been doing this a long time. He's got a lot of history. Um, it's just so happens he's been good for about five. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> I mean, I they stiffed the shit out of it. I mean, walking mm. down walking down to the ring, Ishii looked <laughs> looked stiff. Like he That's looked bad. like he could barely move from his belly up like it was very even more so yeah he walks like mr bump locked in neck it doesn't look like he can turn his head at all um i
0: don't think he can he's like a human bat suit like he's yeah just, he's no uh, no articulation
2: they totally stiffed each other and that was the story of the match was like them is she trying to really get that uh respect and then by doing that, giving Tai Chi no respect. And then Tai Chi kind of, uh, even when he, when he dacked himself, <laughs> throwing his pants at Ishii. And I mean, even Miho Abe was sort of getting wild on the outside of the ring and he's usually pretty pretty subdued. She cared. Um, You know, the slaps and the receipts and um, getting called, Ishi- calling Ishii uh, Tai Chi's shoot name, that delayed fucking suplex. Off yeah, the the scary road. one that was fucking insane where it was like swaying <laughs> one way or the other like, at one
0: point. Watch, watch yourself there, Ish. Yeah,
2: uh and then the you know here's some respect and Tai Chi with the super sexy pin at the end. Oh yeah, give <laughs> us a pole driver. Yeah. yeah, um I don't know. I, I really like that match. I really like the story that was told in that match. And um and Tai Chi's sumo elbow, which is yeah, um, that was awesome. That's his new setup.
0: He brings that out now, and that thing is mint.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's such an odd character, Tai Chi. Isn't he mate. what? New yeah.
0: robe too. Got a brand new yeah. G1 robe. All right. Yeah.
2: It's, all the boys are sort of flashed up for this G1. I
1: mean, other than other each
2: than year. It's really night
1: and day watching Tai Chi particularly from where I stop with the G1 to where I start here, like going from... <laughs> this guy like basically he looks like a legit threat whereas in the past because he, wasn't. he is but that's what i mean that like, he's being presented that way and i thought that match was com- like absolutely amazing if it wasn't for the fact that i have a different match that was my you know, favorite match so far that match was absolutely solid it was brilliant like and the, the thing for me was like tai chi couldn't take my eyes off him because i'm like this is a different guy yeah he's a
2: compelling character now and he's not he's not just like not just in you know the uh what they like the flair of his character being like the elements, the mask and the fucking singing and all that sort of shit. He's a like he's a compelling in-ring character now. Simpy. Yeah. He can he can generate
0: people, people, he can, he can get people to care for him. And I think there's an underrated part about Tai Chi that I think um I think he's a different character in the sense that I think he puts a lot of time and care into his matches. I think he cares a lot about the structure and the layout of his matches, more so than a lot of his contemporaries. I think there's a lot of guys that do that. And in New Japan, they rely upon um, you know, spots and stuff like that. Um, and they call it in the ring and they, they know they've got to get to some key points and that. But I think Taichi is one of these guys that really puts a lot of thought into not just the single match, but the long-term of that. That's why I think him and Zach are such a compelling tag team because Zach is so concerned about the next move. Like that's how he tells his stories, move to move, to move, to move. And he can, because he can move in and out of everything. Like it's not a drama, um, but Tai Chi cares about when the moves happen and what's the best next spot. What's the, what's going to get the most investment. I think he has a really good sense of what people, how to connect with an audience and I've noticed, I have noticed that in, during the pandemic era because Dangerous Techers were one of the big improvers during, I mean, they became the, the, the tag team of New Japan. And to the extent that they are, like they're, they're so good together. And you just don't, you don't think about it like that. Like the way they structure their matches, they get, Zach gets the hot tag. Zach's the hot tag man. Yeah. It's such an odd, like, how does that work? And he runs, he runs wild well submissions. Like it's just a, such yeah. an odd structure, but it works. And you're like, well, who's figuring that out? And I do I I give Zach all the credit. He's he's, he's a genius too. But I think Tai Chi is the actual architect behind all of this stuff. And when you see him in these singles matches, like I during last year or the year before the G one um, two years ago, uh, Tai Chi and Abushi had that had a kicking match where they just kicked the shit out of each other for like twelve minutes, and they didn't do anything but kick leg kicks. They just leg kicked the entire time. It's all they did. And it was like. That's so different, and it's so ballsy, and so different. Everyone gave Abushi a lot of credit for saying, "Oh, what a you know, what a great concept." But Tai Chi was the one that sort of built in the story and did that sort of stuff. And I don't think it's any surprise that the man's now a YouTuber, and he's like, I think he really cares about connecting with the audience and telling stories that way. And if he was in a Western context, like it's like he's got his own being the elite, like he's got his own version of that to connect. Did they to translate
2: audience. it to English because I'm gonna. Start subscribing to Tai Chi's YouTube channel. I don't know if he has got the translations. I know Hiromu
0: does of his channel. He does his English translations, and he's got he's got some episodes on that. Hiromu's channel's got episodes that have got do massive numbers.
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, like I love Hiromu, but he's so he's so fucking abstract to hard to yes. follow.
0: <laughs> yes, whereas you like the Tai Chi's more of the like Tai Chi did a stream where they were doing cooking, and he had like like they've got. Um, Desperado fell asleep and they're like, he's like <laughs> fucking around with Despy while he's sleeping. They just look like this amazing chaotic energy that exists. And through this whole process under, like under Suzuki, Suzuki-gun had this obvious like menacing aura, but Taichi, like Suzuki's basically a freelancer at this point. He's basically a part-timer and it's Taichi's, Taichi, it's Taichi-gun. And mm-hmm. everyone there is sort of adopted his, his, you know, it's still there's still these rascals and there's still these like knockabout he's a good time boy he's a good
2: yeah, time boy. yeah yeah but, yeah
0: but you want to hang out with them and you want yeah, you're like, like yeah they much. might they might be a bit rough around the edges but there's some fun to be had with these boys and he can manage to be a character he can manage to play a bit of a clown at times but he's able to then have a match of where he invests all of this back logic of how he was this guy that was sort of an outcast and how he was sort of perceived as being not good and not, and not having the, the worth and not belonging in new Japan and not, and all of this stuff, which he in the past as a, as a younger wrestler, he, he used as a sort of a, yeah, fuck you. I am all of those things and I'm going to rub it in your face. I'm going to not try to then switch it to an exact opposite of, I'm going to try to prove that I belong. Hmm. And that's been the compelling change of Taichi is the proof that he belongs in this spot and to prove that he's one of the best in the world. And like, I'm going to broadcast this on YouTube and everyone's going to see it. And they're going to realize how great I am. Like, and then get your super chats in like, he's fucking great. And yeah. that's to me has been the, again, the, the pandemic era has been the rise of Suzuki gun. You know, all of those guys have, have just gone to that next level. It's hard to imagine
2: that he was ever a junior. <laughs> he yeah. him, yeah. he like, but he was small. Yeah. Like he was a yeah, skinny yeah. guy oh he's a beefy penguin that's for sure he certainly is he's yeah beefy penguin that's a good the man loves sumo so yeah. like he's
0: he's got the diet
1: but apparently so do we according to people we try and describe what yeah. We watch yeah
0: yeah well we can say he's taichi we're big sumo fans he's taichi, taichi.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah awesome man well i think he's gonna be fun to follow too and i think he's a legitimate threat in b block
1: 100 and that's that's yeah. how he was made out to be like he looks so strong in that like someone else has to be but that's what I mean i just I just couldn't believe it like it could be
2: sonata
0: <laughs> it could be the comebacks on
1: yeah although to be
0: fair let's I don't want to like i obviously can't jump in there, but I do think that there's there's a sign there that like Sonata and Jay have got this interesting chemistry. there's no doubt about it the last five minutes of that match was very compelling. It really
1: was
2: first ten minutes uh on Sonata's part. Was almost unconscious, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of his thing, right? Yeah, I know. like you're frustrated. I, I had forgotten, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. takes him 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, I was listening to um, uh, uh, Rasselin Ranton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 and he's talking about it, and he's like, he's a bit like Greg Valentine, like, he doesn't wake up until 15 minutes in. I'm like yeah, that's a good point. I felt that way with Sonata as well. Both incredibly handsome men.
0: <laughs>
2: incredibly, both of the same color hair at the moment. Anyway, yeah. yeah. If 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 you put if you
0: combine Sonata, <laughs> if you if you can combine
2: Sonata with Greg Valentine, you get Doctor Zayas. <laughs> like yeah, or you get um, Pigsy from um, <laughs> fucking Monkey <Lucky> Magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost-
1: it's like Sonata treats his matches like Naito does taking his clothes off for the ring.
0: Oh yeah. It's a, it's a foreplay. It's all foreplay for Sonata. He is a gentleman lover. Like he, he doesn't just, he doesn't just get in there and go like the clappers. He, he takes his time. He warms up. He's like, Oh, you know, if everyone's erogenous zones. That is Sonata. Right. Uh, but I do think, like I do think that there was something in there where they're trying to at least say that like, he cared a little you know like he started to really get the crowd and and he and on jay white made his skull end look like a million bucks
2: just oh yeah did
1: me ever also it was like
2: so deep perfect timing at the very beginning and jay's like it's fucking hot in here and then they both strip off at the same time like yes it is yeah take your clothes off boys (laughs) yeah that was great i mean yeah but the the
0: finish of that though those guys are made for that type of thing if only sonata could you know get out of
1: first gear and yeah. but how smart <laughs> five,
2: it was, five minutes earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But how smart of it was the J to use the eye of Sonata Then yeah. lift it into the switch plate? Like yeah. this is brilliant. Yeah. Story done. Uh yeah.
0: but no, well, so we're not, we didn't get the run of Sonata yet. Sonata uh, no, every, yet.
1: It's, it, it, it's it's coming. It's, it's, coming. it's,
0: it's his G one is like his matches, just warming you up.
1: Warming. It's getting
0: there. Yep, getting the ice cubes out around the nipples. You'll he'll, he'll make a comeback halfway through next year's G one. Yeah, he'll be ready. Uh would you like me to go, Red, or would you like
1: to go? You no, know, you go, because I, I always go first and just jump in there and get super excited. And uh, not that I'm not excited, but I, I'd like to hear your hot take on favorite match or story.
0: <laughs> well, I've had I have I've had three matches um in the in the tournament thus far. So and one of them was the Yano match. Uh, so I my interesting one I guess is other than I think the best match, my, the match I enjoyed the most was ELP versus Osprey, but I've sort of talked to that a bit. But I do think sort of rounding back to your Akata Cobb talk, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time about where I think like there's the story that I'm interested to follow, I guess, is surprised I was surprised yes. by that by that loss for Cobb because I felt like um, I think the story is going to be will Cobb be booked? the same with the same level or was that a pandemic thing that's kind of my thinking at this point is like did we because I, I felt for sure Cobb demonstrated in that in that match where he went 20 odd minutes with Okada at a incredibly like they were working at a fast pace they didn't start slow because mm. I was thinking my, my, my first thought like when I about 15 I was like are they going to go 30 I was like are they going to do a draw I thought that could be a like an interesting start where it's like they're both equal and there's you know mm. but but they didn't start slow enough for that. Like I was like, oh, that's right. They were working fast. And Cobb was is an incredible athlete. He's incredibly strong. He does so many great things. And in that match, I felt like uh he he was able to show himself as a as a clear credible threat. He's just this strong boy, he does all the good shit. That's great. But my concern was was the story I'll be following through the the tournament, it's sort of a broader story that sort of relates to my guys is the, is new Japan going to double down on their strong, their strong top boys. And after I watched that, I, my immediate first reaction was almost like, are they going to go, are are we going, uh, Akata, J Naito Osprey? Like, are we going get our top boys Yeah, push our top boys, and that's how we're going to go. And I felt like watching the way that Okada was booked in that, in the way that the way that Cobb was positioned, was like saying all of these guys who we've done a really good job during the pandemic of elevating, and yeah. now have gotten to the main event scene, but now they're going to be used to not to elevate them any further, but to reestablish our top boys, who we see as our top top guys. Yeah. And after watching that match, I felt like Cobb did a great job of basically putting a Carter in peril, being a really credible threat, getting the most audible reactions of anyone in of any of the matches. Like he can get crowds to go, ooh, and ah, you know, he's in, he's incredible, like backflips and all that sort of shit. But I felt like the story that'll be interesting to follow and the the story that I'm most interested in engaging with is will we see something almost akin to what we saw in the best of super juniors where it was like, we have all these guys, but we're going to affirm our top boys. But in this case, it's almost like not, not shitting on the pandemic era, but just using those guys that we elevated through the pandemic to ultimately affirm the ones that we want to be our new top boys. Um, and I just got that sense after watching that, that that's the story that's going to be, um after that match I, I after that match i immediately tweeted out i was like i'm throwing everything i know out like I, I said overreaction time but that was my first feeling after watching the match was that whatever i've said in the <laughs> whatever i said in the past fucking throw it out it's they go on for the big boys and they go on for the big matchups Akata jay in the semi osprey yeah. naito which they have not touched. osprey and naito haven't touched like they have they don't they haven't done that program it's been one of the few protected matches I'm like, are they going to do the big matches and really try to hammer home in this 50th year? I you know. sort
2: of felt the same way after watching Jay and Samara as well. I was like, oh, they're positioning him, him as a really strong champion through the G1 Uh, where, you know, I sort of question what is Jay going to be w- without having to chase. I feel like he's going to be dominant in his block. Yeah, and vanquish the guys that have been elevated
0: during the – the pandemic, your, your Taichis, your great Okans, your Tamatongas, he's going to affirm his role, his dominance in that space. Same way Okada's going to take on these big monsters, in the same way he's going to be, I'll overcome the newcomers that you want to bring in, which is sort of forgotten in that block, too. There's so many newcomers, outsiders that have come in, and they're in that block. Yeah. Um, which is similar to what they did in the best super juniors, where it's like, we've got a fresh new block, but we're going to firm Despy and Aromu as the leaders. Even, even still, when all the new guys come back, these guys are still a step above. I feel like that was kind of my takeaway from the first two nights and especially after that Cobb. Um, and I, I agree, the Sonata map, because there's upsets I could see and I could legitimately see them as like, that would make sense. and would help k- kickstart those guys, but rather than use... their their top boys to get those guys over to another degree. They relied upon the equity that they'd built for the last two and a half years of those guys to help elevate. Because it it makes all the sense in the world that Cobb would get his win back, but they're not doing that. They're not trying to, they're not not the direction they're going in. They're trying to to reaffirm and reestablish. So I do feel like, um, make a note of it, I do feel like that's going to be the top four. And it's a perfect setup because then Okada can um, beat jay which then establishes okada to get a uh title match because he's beaten the champ and then okada versus either naito or osprey i'm not sure which one of those guys gets through because okada's got history of both but they've done the okada naito story the whole way through naito beats okada and then naito goes to wrestle kingdom and guess who beats jay for the belt to to fight to face naito at wrestle kingdom it's okada naito for the final time that to me makes the most sense. And after seeing it, I, I didn't see that before. I didn't see it at all before the, the tournament. But as soon as I saw that, the last couple of results and the way they booked them, I was like, I would. I think that could be the way that Gato's going. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the story I'll be keen to follow if they go that direction, strengthening the top boys.
1: That's a, That's why I love that you've gone favorite match slash story. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's like...
0: That's my favorite story. I watched the match, and out of that match, I could, I was like, "That's a really interesting the way they've booked Okada." It was like, just the way there's nuance in the way they booked him. It's like they're booking him as like this dominant guy, yeah. Like, it's there, like, it's there to be done. Where it's like Naito can beat it because Naito and Okada have wrestled a bunch this year, and Gato does this all the time. He runs it, he hits a feud over and over and over again, and the whole story of Naito thus far has been, is it like they're positioning like it's
1: his last chance? Yeah. so like it's gonna be, well, be super fascinating to see what happens with Naito in the coming nights actually to yeah see what's gonna happen with him that's because I mean that's like a, a story that you know hasn't even really happened yet so it's gonna be no. I know it's gonna be interesting to see if they go that way yeah but... exactly off these first couple of nights 100% like if, if Naito wins or if Naito loses does that make you think even more that they're gonna put that make Naito chasing yeah, well, Naito,
0: that's Naito. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'd just be interested to see, but off it, I just think it's, we'll, we'll see. We'll check back next week and see if they've doubled down and strengthening guys, but yeah, I just thought there was two matches that I was pretty confident there'd be upsets in and they didn't happen. So that's okay. Just start to, start to speculate as to what that could mean. That's all.
1: It's, well, maybe it's the rise of Yano. The upsets are coming.
0: Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom, main event. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no that's but that's why I found it funny with you saying favorite match slash story because I don't really ever speak to the story I speak to the matches um and, and you know it's also way too early for me to even try and get behind any sort of story because the story is the journey well, I only had three
0: matches so it's, it's pretty uh, hard for me like I wasn't going to be able to pick too many
1: well all the storylines for the like, guys that I'm super keen on aren't even on my team like you know for example it's like I'll go to my favorite match and I'll explain why.
0: Okay. Is it, in, is it someone on your team? It... Uh,
1: it's it's a, a guy from my team's involved okay. in them.
0: That's good. That's good. That's all you need. Uh, that hits the criteria.
1: I, I, know, I know. I've hit the criteria. I know. That's all you need. Um, look, my favorite match was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenta, but I'm going to talk about Shingo and Juice. Um, the, but that's more or less because I want to try and reference a match plus a storyline. The reason why I chose this match is because, well, look, we can talk about Zach Saber Jr. and Kendra if you want. If you guys want to talk about that match, we, we can because that was an absolute banger of a Great match. Match. Great match. match. I just love the way that, you know, Kendra took it to Zach and then, then it became a brawl outside. And then and then Zach even formed it into a technical submission brawl outside. Like, yeah. I thought that was sick. Uh, anyway, but the reason why Shingo vs. Juice was fascinating for me was. Similar once again to the thing that I haven't seen Juice for so long. I haven't seen Shingo for so long. I yeah. kind of got what Shingo has given me in the past, which I really enjoyed that powerhouse, you know, strong, but fast sort of like, you know, high energy sort of guy. But with Juice, super fascinating to see him still use his baby face moves while working as a heel at the same time. Like I really, really liked the dynamic of Juice in this match. And I thought Shingo and him really, really paired up really well and not to mention too. talk about an upset i was not expecting that finish at all like like to beat i don't
0: think juice was either <laughs> i think juice yeah. i think juice is ready for it
1: But yeah but that's but that's what i mean though it's like i really really enjoyed that match because just like i popped for okada when he hit the, the spinning tombstone similar thing i was like legitimately confused like the- everyone was ready when he hit the unprettier i was just like holy crap like that's He's done it. Like he's beat him, and then, you know, the, he it, he was
0: he. I mean, I think he was supposed to hit the the rock slide, which is his new inverted burning hammer
2: thing, um, and he he couldn't do it. I reckon he should have like uh, like you know he knocked out fucking tucker Michinoku with yeah, the uh, gold, yeah, Yeah, with the left hand of God or whatever, yeah. Um, I reckon that should be his finisher. <laughs> Just punch punching on the face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's I guess smaller they, guys It they, makes they sense. They had some cool strikes and that sort of stuff. And But that's been his, sort of his thing for, remember he had the cast on his hand yeah. for a while. And... Yeah. And,
1: and Jay's whole thing of like, only an idiot would punch a man with his broken hand. Yeah. Only, and it wasn't, and an, 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 you know, only an idiot baby face would punch a chair.
0: I felt um, in that match, I felt that that was the juice to me. I put it this way, I think juice is going to benefit of all of all the people that I've seen turn or go to bullet club I think juice is going to benefit the most of any yeah, guy 100%. because he yeah. felt he felt like a completely different person walking out he felt like a star yeah he just mm-hmm. felt like he now yeah. he still felt got a like sexy stuff. like yeah he just looked he just he had an attitude he just walked out he just walked out and it was he had this sort of gravitational pull like he just felt like he' he was commanding the eyes without having to, and like for a guy that his whole thing was sort of dancing around and shaking his ass and like trying to get everyone to look at him. He realized like less is more like I'll just do nothing and I'll yeah. walk out. And I'll hold the belt above my head and I'll, he does his whole introducing himself as the champ. And like, obviously that's the through line for his whole thing. Well, that's going to be mm-hmm. his running story for the entire time. So when he finally meets Osprey on the final night, then it culminates. Um, I do feel for him because it's his first singles match in a long time. And it's obviously coming off the, you know, the appendix issue or whatever it was. He definitely ivory gassed out or he knocked himself out on those headbutts. One of the two. Yeah. Um, maybe, both. maybe, maybe both. Uh, yeah. Juice, juice ran out of the juice. And um, I just, I, it was like the most juice moment ever. It's like, he's yes. just about to get, he's about to fucking stick the landing, just stick the landing juice. Ah, shit he was yeah. so close to perfection juice just so close to um but it, he'll he'll find a way he was he was he couldn't even cut a promo i think he was just done it was like it's hot i just went at it because he i'll give him credit he committed to working shingo's pace and said yeah. i'm gonna work a shingo takagi main event style
2: match here." probably a bit underdone and yeah. I'm a little
0: bit underdone and holy fuck and it's like that's the thing and that's the, that's what we talk about it all the time about new japan pro there are levels this thing and that to be at that level and i know people talk about it all the time and i'm not gonna you know we, we're in such a culture of like someone watches independent matches like that's the best match of the year that's the best thing i've ever seen blah, blah blah and they go off and it's like you watch like that's a that's a fine solid thing and then you watch like a main event new japan progress and you can't tell me that those guys are not just operating at a they're just it's like a different sport yeah like they're operating at a level that's the the expected level you're supposed to reach in a G1. But then the next thing, the expected level you're supposed to reach at a G1 main event. Yeah. And and Juice has been out for a long time and he's coming back and he's been wrestling in like Impact and stuff. It's like, it's like, he's like holy shit. And he's trying to build a new character and he's going like, he's putting everything out there. Juice is, classic Juice is like, fuck it. I'm just going to try and... and I- does,
2: does anyone make pro wrestling look more easy than shingo no he just looks dragon like he could he could do two hour two hour iron man matches yeah no fucking drama yep at, at at high speed dragon gate style yeah, yeah.
0: he's yeah. just incredible and, and he doesn't and he has a build he's a he's a perfect example for all those people that want to go out there and have this arguments around you Know your Adam Cole discussions or your body shamers or your Eddie Kingston's or whatever. Shingo is just he's a functionally fit man. He's yeah. looking like that guy, he's a Gerfe boy and he doesn't need to be cut. He looks
2: like he looks like the human embodiment of a kettlebell.
0: <laughs> yes, he does. He's he's almost like an old Hasbro, yeah. like he's just got this look about him that he's just built with. He's not about being cut, he's just about being functional and strong and fast and he and his level is like yeah i mean anyone that's been watching him for the last couple of years like they everyone knows like he's you he ain't the best in the world he's in he's he's hanging out in the fucking
1: club well i mean i, I agree 100 percent when you were con- confirmed like comparing uh indies to new japan our dogdom is better than theirs i agree with you josh um the thing is though is it's uh with particularly with juice uh, I found it really, really fascinating though, just in terms of storyline. What's going to happen with Juice in this G one? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like that match. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely saw that it was a bit bocci-bocci. I love the whole thing. But I didn't then,
0: think it was. I didn't think it was. I, was, I was,
1: it was, gritty. I think yeah. bocci bochi
0: is actually a term they use in Japan for stiff. I think it was.
1: It, well, that, that, that's what I meant though. Man. Thank you. That's exactly what I meant though. Yeah, stiff, man of very cultured man. Right? Yeah, uh, I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a cultured dork yeah Uh no but i mean like just going forward with juice what is going to happen with him because i always thought it's a big win man was a big yeah. it's a huge win former former champion and the yep. thing is is for me is i always was irked by juice as a baby face great talker and i found him funny and everything but i always found his baby face to be more of a dick than anything else so to actually see him being a heel it's going to be really cool, interesting to see him progress and actually like, because I think he's, I think he was always destined to be a heel based off what he Although like I haven't, a, I haven't sort of sensed that. I, I'm, granted, he might have been
0: gassed, but I haven't really felt like his promos have gotten to the level that he was prior yet. Hmm. I don't think he's quite figured out exactly what he wants to do with those heel promos yet. He's sort of a bit one note thus far for Juice.
2: I feel like that they'll come when he has those big moments. I I definitely think that the the final night, him and Osprey, that, that is going to be who wins the block. Yeah, it could be. Which will make it super interesting.
0: No, I, I here's here's the thing. I think it's possible, but I'm also it's I'm also not ruling out Shingo as being I feel like Shingo's gonna beat Osprey now. I think that's sort of established it. Yeah okay. so I could yeah, I think that could very well there happen. Could be
2: so. some tiebreaker shenanigans. There's to going to be
0: some tie. I think that last night because you got yeah. Shingo versus Elp and you got Juice versus Osprey. I feel like there's going to be some, there's going to be some tiebreaker shit going on that that night. You know what
2: I want? I don't want. I uh, do In that semi final, I don't want Osprey and Naito. I want Naito and Shingo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, can you imagine that's that? I want. Yeah,
0: yeah. You can you imagine Shingo like that? That has that has just. Like that has the meaty. That's meaty. It's so meaty. It's so, it's like everything that Naito doesn't want, where it's like all those boys, he's always arguing against and wanting his boys
2: to step up to him. Oh, and I'd kind of love, I'd kind of love Shingo to spoil Naito's Wrestle Kingdom party and beat him and make the final and then win the G1 and him get the spot. Could you imagine it? That's conspiracy booking at its finest. I'd love it's what, to it's what it. Naito's always wanted. He always has said, Sonata, pick yourself up. And then Naito has to beat him at some point to get the contract to get to Wrestle Kingdom. That's cool. That could be really cool. Yeah, Naito sort of,
0: and Shingo can sportingly give him an opportunity because it's like, well, he's the leader. So I, I sort of... Because it does fit because Naito's whole thing is always... Like, remember, we always talk about will it be Sonata or will it be evil or who's going to... who's going? Because Naito would tell them, you need to lift your game. But he's never told Shingo that. Uh, I don't think he wants to tell Shingo, fire up, son. Because I think he'd be concerned about what that would mean for his physical (laughs) health. Like, it's it's either they go Naito, Osprey, which is a must, like a never-done-before match and it's Mm. a protected match and maybe too protected for a semi or they go Naito Shingo, which is the,
1: you'll never see it other than a G1. So. Both uh, make sense. Both make sense. Yeah, like, exactly. They definitely um, would pull the trigger on Naito Osprey for sure.
0: But whether they, but would you pull it in a, in a semifinal? I guess that that's the question. Would you do it in Did a semifinal? Pay? Or do you do it as a
2: separate program? That's
0: thing. saying. Do you do it as a separate program that can stand on its own? Um,
2: that's kind of the question. Why not both? <laughs> you, you, I you mean, those two both. matchups are draws. I just like i. I kind of like the idea of, um, in the Budokan on two
0: days' notice, Naito Shingo draws bigger.
2: Yeah, and I and I like and I like I like the idea of just some... because we I to be honest, I haven't seen much from like other than the evil thing. I haven't seen much sort of. Going on with losing an for a while, mm. yeah. So I'd kind of like to see maybe like because I mean realistically, I mean Naito, and, and I mean Shingo is Shingo the heir apparent? Is he the next guy? Because Naito, I mean, he might get another run, but is, is he going to get like another three or four year run?
0: Naito, Naito hasn't held this belt. This new belt has been like this new the world title the world champion naito hasn't held that he's been the double champ but he hasn't had that shingo has yeah and that's i i mean it could be it fits the narrative it fits the narrative if you wanted to reaffirm naito he beats the guy that has had the run through the last two years or you go the other way and you have shingo pull the it would be heartbreaking
2: this is what this would have been what would have been cool is if if um you know they need to figure this shit out but to get andrade mm. in the mix there somehow could add some intrigue to that whole story particularly if shingo makes a final and wins a g1 or yeah, a, bit uh, of a bit of jealousy amongst the group jealousy yeah. amongst the group yeah
1: uh, that would be cool to say interesting sort of like direction for lij it'd break my heart though that
0: would be heartbreaking <laughs> yeah oh yeah it would be it'd be soul destroying i still hate evil because what i did I think there's a lot of
2: reasons for that. I don't think it has to be like defection or no, just or just tension booting out. Just even just like a passing of the torch moment. Even I don't know. They're basically the same age, so it's kind yeah. of like. But I'm Naito's. Like
0: I've got eighty-seven bits of toothpicks and like fucking like band-aids holding my body together. I'm going to hand it over to you now as the guy, the heir apparent, you know, to me. I mean, I always thought that was going to be eventually Hiromu, but I don't think that's the story they want to tell. So I think, I think, yeah, it's it's as plausible as anything, but I think Shingo is going to be a really interesting follow now, Red, because you've got a situation where he's on the chase and he has to, like, he can't lose to Osprey. He loses to Osprey. He's out.
1: Well, I mean, you know what they say about chasing the dragon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's dragging the chaser because uh, ultimately, yeah, if he loses to Osprey, his tournament's over because he's got to then win more matches than both Osprey and Juice, because you have tiebreakers against both of them, like in his yeah. negative. So he has to beat Osprey in the rivalry of that group, you know. Mm. Um, so I'd be really that's gonna be a
1: really big match, really big. just to segue back to though the the previous match, what I was saying with Zach Saberjina and Kenter as well. Yep. It's interesting to, to see where they're going to be placing those two, particularly because, because Zack Sabre Jr. From what I've gathered, he's won, what, two? Did you need to up. Yep. Yep. And Kenta's also been sort of like more established as a bigger guy within the company. And he's definitely getting a lot of heat and everything, but they've definitely put Kenta in this position.
0: Well, I liked, I liked how Hanare introduced him at the press conference where he went through the whole group that he's in. He's like former world champions, former G1 winners, Former New Japan Cup winners and Kenta. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really nice little, because Kenta hasn't done any of those things that all the other guys in that block have done. So I thought that was, and Kenta gives him the what the fuck. It
2: was, <laughs> it was quite a lovely. I was like, ooh, Hanari made a funny. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Kenta's coming out. He's coming out. He's going to be. He may not win. He may not win many matches, but he's coming out. And he, yeah he's going to get very he's coming for people's heads he's going to get very angry during this tournament i can see it particularly if he loses his next match <laughs> kenta yeah. on the chase will be with nothing to lose because he's got nothing to win i think that's crazy. yeah that might yeah. be the that might be the because in that
0: match you're talking about red that was so much of that story was kenta's pride and not even so much his pride his desire to inflict punishment over winning over winning the match because <laughs> he could have win twice yeah Winning the match was secondary to Kenta, proving a point was the top thing. And I think that that establishes pretty early that Kenta might Kenta might be out, but Kenta's here to fucking hurt you. And which is great because he finishes off with Tana. So poor Tana might might get a fucking truckload of frustration kicked into his skull at the very end. But uh and I think that was kind of the funny way they booked it because Zach was beaten, Zach was done, he was gone, like like it, like he was pinned. That he was knee off the ropes. Was, oh. Oh, I was like, Down he goes. Out. Yeah, that was like the Nakamura Sakuraba knee, where he went head first and just copped it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sold it great. And then Kenta's just like, great. I can now I can slap him in the back of the head. Like it was just, it was just. He didn't. At no point did Kenta look
2: like he cared at all about winning the match. <laughs> like it was no. not, and, and there was also like that, you know Zach tying up or he saw the saw half of his body yeah and just like twisting and turning it and fucking stretching it i'm like oh god these two are really trying to hurt each other yeah and then the the beautiful thing about it was the post-match
0: presses of both of them and how both of them dedicated and this is what i thought was really lovely in terms of their symmetry both of them dedicated the first like 20 30 seconds of their promos to each other where kenta spoke in english and talked about, and just people need to check it out where he talks about um, how Zach, when, when, when Kenta was in NXT and he was struggling, Zach sent him a message and how he was a really heartfelt message and it lifted him up and it really inspired him. And he, he felt like that's what a real, you know, like I recognize him as a real guy. And then he said, but I fucking hate 2022 Zach Saber Jr. And he's like, and he goes at the end, he goes, Zach, thank you fuck you. And then walks off. And I was like, that's a <laughs> perfect little description.
1: Yeah. And then,
0: then Kent, then Zach spends the first 20 or 30 seconds speaking in Japanese back to Kenta talking about how in the dojo and how the story of those two guys, how Kenta's the reason he got over to Japan it was because of Kenta in their matches in, in England that got him the spot in the Noah dojo and how he always wanted to, you know, to in, get, embrace the culture of Japan and how Kenta opened that eyes to him but then how he evolved when Kenta went away and and zach evolved in Noah to the point where he got to where he wanted to be finally at new japan and he's here for a couple of years and he's finally here and he's finally in his element and he's got his opportunity and now here comes Kenta waltzing back in trying to take his spot and i thought trying to be the senpai and he said you're not my senpai anymore like i'm senpai and it's like I thought that's just that those two. I, I think they've I honestly think they had enough juice out of that one match to be like a Wrestle Kingdom program. Like I think they could yeah, legit yeah. sell it if they wanted to and just be like, we're gonna build to this because yeah. it it was heated at a level that you don't see very often, as you said before, Dave, like pride and ego and violence and just and Zach wanting to prove his style is better and Kenta just wanted to prove that he's fucking Kenta. <laughs>
1: You know, (laughs) it's so rare to see someone take it to Zach like that. Like normally Zach dominates the very beginning of the match and it becomes a Zach match. People
0: are scared. People are scared. Like it's a classic uh, striker versus grappler. People are scared to engage because if you kick and he grabs your leg, you're fucked. But but Kent is like, fuck
1: it. Well, I mean, he went for that beautiful neck kick and then Zach uh, graciously grabs his leg, turns it into an ankle lock. But even like the way Zach then hooked his own hand over his neck just sort of like give him more support, then lead into the ankle. But it
0: shows, it shows that Kenta's desire to hurt another man trumps his own fear of being hurt himself. That is what mm-hmm. that's telling. Like he does not care about getting caught. And his desire to win. <laughs> yes, his desire <laughs> to win is not even secondary. It might be eighth on the list of things. That yeah. Kenta is here to prove a point. And I think that is such a, like I love that as a character because it just gives, it makes him, it literally makes him unhinged and yeah. dangerous but it makes him Teflon he could lose every match and he ain't gonna care because the thing yeah. is he's not here to win if you have to wrestle Kenta you go fuck you if your favorite has to wrestle Kenta you're like oh no because you, my favorite might win this match but is he going to be conscious like is he going to get yeah. out and if he doesn't win the match it's because Kenta has killed him like it's, <laughs> at this point Kenta has given up and is now playing with his food like at that point like that's where he's gotten to and it fits, like, after that Wrestle Kingdom match, Kenta has come back, like, he was so broken. And he's so broken. Like, his entire, like, left side of his body, I think, is just done. Like, I think he's got, like, this is, he's got an Orndorff the entire left side of his body. <laughs> but he's somehow been able to, like, craft it into this just vicious, angry, fucking hates the world, Kenta. He's mad at everyone. And he's maddest at Tana. And just the idea that that's gonna, that just, <laughs> It's just gonna, Tanner. it's gonna lead to something. Like, oh my
1: god. Going back to Tana, I was pissing myself laughing before when you guys brought up Tana and Kenta. I just had this image of Kenta kicking Tana in the shin, like Tana's leg just flying off into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just punched his limbs into the crowd.
0: Yeah, yeah. A souvenir for the for the fans at home. Yeah. Tana's
1: like, oh no, my zip ties holding my body. Together. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be epic. Keep an eye on that A one. Battle folks. of the zip ties between those two. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did it to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that both of those matches are, are great red. Both of them are tremendous.
1: It's uh it's almost funny. It's like because like, you know, if there's anything you guys are looking forward to, it it, it kind of seems like we just covered all about We did, we did. did We're looking forward to everything. <laughs> everything's everything's great. Like, everything's covered. There is one thing that I would look to talk about that I'm the most excited about yep. coming forward. And that is, uh, and I'm so sorry. I know I just went last. It's just that uh, I've just been holding this one back for this question the whole time. Uh, on, the, on the 26th uh, in America, that'll be the 27th. Um, the next week, yep. We've got the great O'Khan's very first match um, taking on Chase, which I am 100% jonesing for. I finally get to see O'Khan and 100% watch him in all of his glory and i am so excited for that that's great red
0: that is there's a you may be that may be the first and last time someone has said there is a chase owens match and i am jonesing for it (laughs) but uh yeah getting a chance for grotto khan to show out hopefully yeah that's exactly
1: it i'm just i'm so excited i know i know like there's like you know there's even tana and naito uh before that but it's just that uh, I'm so excited
0: I to see Greco Khan. There's you know, Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito, but yeah. Greco Khan and Chase Owens.
1: Now get out of the <laughs> way, people! I, I'm just so excited. It's it's the reason why I'm into wrestling. It's the reason why I drafted Okan. Is just to take on Chase. That storyline has been building for years. <laughs> Between the two of them. And I'm just so excited to see where... I don't even know if I can't know who Chase is at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just be uh, expectations. Careful of that uh, surprise i no, I mean, they- <laughs> yeah. yeah, that
0: could hurt. That could really hurt. No, I think that'll be interesting. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I heard it was hinted at by Kevin Kelly that when they are not around Tokyo, that there will be a special guest joining him on commentary. That man being ELP. So no, no. I am incredibly excited about listening to El Phantasmo doing commentary once more. Uh, we all thought he retired when he was in this during the pandemic. He was one of the guest commentators who had to retire mid. Uh, he he retired mid mid tournament. Uh, he was a an absolute natural. He is hilarious, and but he's also good like he understands to get the story over and to like excited and about the fear of this move and watch that thing he's very good commentator he's very good at everything i think but after his i almost either want him to commentate or just send his text messages to chris charlton to read out loud i think that could also be an incredible opportunity because uh yeah for people that didn't see it check out the press conference where elp sent his press conference via text yeah, that uh, was his, He yeah. absolutely ethered everyone. There wasn't a single person in his block that survived a just
2: and Will the Will Osprey. Slow great. and
0: sensual sex. Yeah. Yeah.
2: With uh you look like Jake Paul had slow and sensual sex with the what was it? Indomitable snowman. snowman the indomitable snowman. <laughs> Speaking so, of uh, indomitable, here's yeah. David Finley. Yeah, uh, and uh, Yoshihashi looks like he just smelled the fart. Yes, that was the...
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because uh, uh, Yujiro Takahashi looks... Yujiro looks like a wet rhinoceros fart. And speaking <laughs> yeah. of farts, Yoshihashi, you look like you've just smelled one. And it's just like he's cracking up every... Everybody is getting... And
2: Red pan by Charlton is brilliant. What about you, Davey? Got anything you're keen on? Uh, I'm... I'm just kind of, I'm just looking forward to seeing the boys of mine that I haven't seen yet. I think there's only a couple. I think it's only yep. Yoshi and Tama. Uh, I think I've seen all the others. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing what they have to bring, have, uh, what they bring to the table, what potential I don't know, things they can launch themselves from. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, just the G1 in general. Nothing specific, really. No, I think that's fair
1: to half your team. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to us. I hope you've had a really nice day. A happy lunch. And as always, from the boys of the Classic Factory. We appreciate you all, wherever you are listening to the this. Classic, classic, classic Factory.
2: factory. What is the Classic Factory?
1: Right? That's our studio name, the Classic Factory. Uh, yeah, so wherever you're listening to us on the podcast, is that it we... like the Cheesecake Factory? Is it like the where it's not actually a factory? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I have a feeling if the, the, if there was a Cheesecake Factory, the Greater Khan's in one right now. Yeah, sex.
0: Yeah, don't eat the cheesecake.